Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Brothers and sisters, I believe you were encouraged listening to some of these powerful testimonies in these videos. And I would like to read a small scripture before I start. I would like to read from Acts of the Apostles, chapter number 8, looking at the first eight verses. And Saul, approval of his execution, it's talking about Stephen having got killed. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits came out of many who were possessed, crying with a loud voice, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Brothers and sisters, I would like to uh, draw your attention to a couple of things. First is that, uh, uh, without going into the detail, uh, we know that Jesus came, he lived, he died, rose on the third day, and he, then he said, go and make disciples of all nations. But then the command came that do not leave Jerusalem until you find uh, the power from on high, the Holy Spirit. That's the first chapter in, in Acts of the Apostles. But the second chapter, we do find the Holy Spirit does come down and they see tongues of fire coming in and, and on, uh, on, on, upon them and they started to speak in tongues. Now, what should have they done at that point? The commandment is very clear. Go and make disciples of all nations after you have received the Holy Spirit. Commandment has come. Holy Spirit has come. Did they go? No, they did not go. They're sitting there. Then we go to the third chapter. Did they go? No, they did not go. And the fourth chapter, and the fifth chapter, and the sixth chapter, and the seventh chapter, they are still in Jerusalem. Imagine if they had stayed in Jerusalem and never gone anywhere, you and I, brothers and sisters, would not have come to know the light of Christ. How did God enable that to take place? By allowing certain things that we have just read in chapter number eight. God allowed persecution and that as a result of that, then they got scattered. And that's when they went to Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the world, including coming to Northern Ireland. And that's when we all got to know who Christ is and received his salvation. And as a result of that, we find that there was great joy in the city. And that is the intended target. That's in the intention that God has, that whenever there is persecution, the intended target is that 
uh, there, is, there should be great joy wherever they go. So they are coming when these persecuted believers are coming to Great Britain, they are coming for our joy. So there is joy in our cities. And uh, we've already heard from Brother Amir that many uh, Iranians who are persecuted are not acknowledged by the government and are running away. And in Turkey, where for many years we were praying that there will be believers, we have seen that now there are more Iranian believers in Turkey than the Turkish believers in Turkey. We were praying that there is small fellowship in every town and city. God has enabled that to happen. God has now uh, his people pretty much in every town and city worshiping him in Turkey. But that happened, and that joy that is brought to those cities and towns came about as a result of what the persecution our Iranian brothers had to go through. We heard that the second largest, fastest growing, uh, second fastest growing church in the world today uh, has been, in the last number of years, has been in Afghanistan. Now, those Afghan believers are going through a huge suffering. And me and some of my colleagues, we are making a lot of effort to rescue them. We rescue them so that they can be saved. And this is something else I wanted to bring to your attention for another reason as well, because for the most part, in last uh, 50, 60 years uh, of me, my uh, research, uh, that about, there are about, give or take, about 55, 60 Christian organizations today uh, that support persecuted Christians. But for the most part, they would not support the, uh, the relocation, the rescue of the people. And I personally had many discussions and debates on this, and the argument that is given is that if they, uh, we help them move, uh, then who is going to witness for the Lord in the places where they are currently? We should not try to move them from their historical places. I am not in favor of moving anybody from their historical place either, but then there are times when we need to do that. And we have so many biblical paradigms, so many biblical examples for that. Just to give you one example, if uh, Paul, when he was going to get killed in that city, and Paul, as you know, that we got most of the New Testament, uh, all these letters through Paul, uh, that all the encouragement that we're receiving even after 2,000 years, even today, imagine if Paul was told that, that, that argument at that time that no, we should not move anybody from anywhere. You need to continue staying here and witness here in the city, even if it means you get killed. But we know that there was this woman who lowered him in a basket, made him uh, uh, live another day to tell his story and be a witness for the Lord. And what a powerful witness Paul has been in, in Christian history. There are many Pauls today, brothers and sisters, in Pakistan, in Iran, in Afghanistan, in Sudan, who needs to be, who are looking for somebody with baskets. We need more people with baskets, both men and women luring them down from the wall of those cities, of those countries, helping them move so they can live to tell the story and bring this joy and, the, and, 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 and uh, comfort to the places where they go. Obviously, I, in my last uh, 13 years of uh, being involved fully in this ministry, I have many, many examples. But 
for their safety, obviously, uh, you will appreciate, I, I, I won't be able to uh, tell the particular country or the names of these people, but I have decided that I'm going to share a few of these stories with you. I'm going to sh share the story of Suriname again. Uh, I will say Sadia. Sadia is from a Muslim background. She came to know the Lord. Her family wanted to kill her. She ran, and eventually she found a Christian husband and then moved to uh, a country in the Arabian Gulf region and started working there. God blessed her with two sons, and then the family found out. And she said to me, when I came to know about the situation, she said, I can't stay here because they will kill me here. If I go back to Pakistan, I will get killed there. Can you help me move somewhere where I can continue to witness and be a follower of Jesus? I tried. I tried my best. I tried to bring the family over even to the UK, but I was not successful. In the end, she got so desperate being in a medical profession, being a nurse. She said, Asif, I'm going to purchase some cyanide because the threat is that they are going to slaughter both my sons in front of me and I can't bear that thought. So I'm going to give cyanide to both my sons and when they die peacefully in front of me, then me and my husband will drink the poison ourselves. Put yourself in my shoes, put yourself in her shoes. What she was going through, what I might have gone through after hearing that. So I cried, I said, Lord, I do not know what to do but you do know her future and what needs to be done. And again, without giving too much detail, I can, I can mention that she's in a safe country now. We did manage to move her. Uh, that's not North America, that's not Europe either, but it's a country where she's safe. And where she went to that country, she joined the local church, and I was on the phone with her, and I said, how, is, how was the experience in the church? She said, in my uh, church, the pastor told me that the four ladies from the church went on a mission trip uh, to one of the Middle Eastern countries. And they have come home singing all praises to the Islamic culture. They're saying, isn't it so beautiful how they are like a family together, how they respect for the elders, how they love their, uh, their uh, younger ones, how they look after each other when somebody gets sick and visiting them. And the call of prayer is so beautiful, and the food is amazing, and we love their culture and dances and all that. And basically telling the pastor that we feel that, that what we experience there is better than what we have here. So we are going to convert to Islam. And she, Sadia, said to the pastor, can I have a cup of coffee with them? And then they arranged that. And after one hour coffee uh, time with the, these four ladies, she told them how she was born and raised in a Muslim family, followed Islam to the hilt. But these are her categorical reasons why she decided to leave Islam. And these are her categorical reasons why she loves Jesus so much. After she shared that testimony, just like Philip did, there was great joy in that city. There was great joy in that church. You know what those four women said? They said, we had absolutely no idea that how special it is that we have in Jesus Christ. There is no way we're going to leave Christ. We're going to continue to follow him. I would like to share you with you this, also the story of uh, Harim, again a pseudonym. She was born and grew up in Saudi Arabia becoming a medical doctor, 
She was traveling in a bus on her visit to one of the South Asian, South Asian nations. And in the bus, she saw a woman, a girl sitting next to her reading something. So she said, what are you reading? And she said, I'm reading the Bible. Oh, Bible, I heard about the Bible, but never seen one. Where can I get one? And that young lady said, why don't you have my Bible? Are you sure? She said, absolutely. So she gave her copy of the Bible to her. She read it, and lo and behold, the word of God being like a two-edged sword pierced through her, and she decided to give her life to the Lord. And you can imagine what might have followed. The family, from a business family, multimillionaire, very powerful family, they were pursuing her. I came to know about it. What should I have told her? That you should stay where you are and be a witness for the Lord where you are, even if it means to get killed? I said, no, I am going to be that woman who is going to lure her as a Paul in that basket. And that's what we did. It took us about uh, uh, eight months, but eventually she moved to a country. I'm really itching to tell you the names of the countries and all that, but uh, you can imagine that it's very, very difficult. I still, her family is looking, looking for her. But the moment we moved, she said that the biggest joy for her was not that her life is safe. The biggest joy, she said, was that I was openly able to go on the street and witness to Muslims in that Western country where she is and sharing her testimony that how she grew up in a Muslim family, these are her reasons why she loves Jesus and leading other Muslim women to the Lord. Don't you think there will be great joy in that city as a result? We need that joy in our cities. We need that joy in Belfast. We need that joy in London, in Birmingham, in Manchester, in Newcastle, in Sheffield, in Glasgow today. And that joy is going to be brought by these brothers and sisters who are running from persecution. Why they are being persecuted? Why the Afghan believers are being persecuted? If they today say, we deny Christ, we are going to be staunch Muslims, nobody's going to persecute them. If Iranian believers say, we are turning our backs on Jesus, we are devout Muslims, nobody's going to persecute them. The reason they are being persecuted is that they want to follow Jesus and obey him uh, to the last breath. And the people like that who are on fire, when they will come to our cities and they will live among our communities, and then they will, having the cultural and the linguistic background of many other people who are non-believers coming from their countries, and when they will witness to them, along with us, along with the local believers, I believe that God is going to lead many more into his kingdom as a result. And that is the God's plan for bringing both non-Muslim, non-Christians, non as well as these converts from the, their similar cultural background to our, our country and our cities. And many of us will need to uh, be the woman with a basket, helping them escape, helping them come to the places where God is bringing them. I wish that I could also tell you the stories of the people who are in, in the pipeline at the moment that we're trying to move, but these are way, way too sensitive situations because they're still in those difficult places and, and they can get seriously, seriously harmed as a result of it. 
we are referring to this particular uh, program of underground railroad of helping people uh, by rescuing them in those situations, in those life-threatening situations, we refer to it as Operation Philip. And we are very grateful uh, to people in this country who are helping us, and very, very grateful to Lord David Alton and also uh, to Honorable Member of Parliament Jim Shannon, who have been a huge uh, support. So I, I can't remember a time when I went to Jim asking for uh, support in, in matters like this, and he may have said no. He always, we have his, his support through the APPGs and through other ways. Also, we find uh, that there are people who, uh, even during their, uh, during their time, uh, who were not believers, but they, we helped them move. For example, a lot of these uh, Iranian believers who are in Turkey, they were not believers when they came to Turkey, but they became believers while they were there. Without mentioning a particular uh, country, uh, but I can mention the region. In Southeast Asia, there is a country where I came across many people from Pakistani background. And during that time, I have not seen the level of openness that I saw Muslims from my country that I saw in, 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 in that nation. And I ask myself, why is that? When I witness to Muslims in Pakistan, they, they, they are open, but not very open, and then they are very aggressive as well because they, that, that's their home turf. When I try to witness to Muslims in, in the United Kingdom, because they uh, are in a minority. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.